Please stand as you are able for the reading of today's Old Testament lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 12 through 21. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of him upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you, Leslie, and thank you, Jim, and um, thank all of you for being here this holiday weekend. I'm Reverend Casey Orr. I'm one of the associate pastors here, and I feel so blessed to be here in this space as our senior pastor, Dr. Davis Chapel, wraps up a brief winter study leave. We will be so glad to welcome him back into the pulpit next week, but today we welcome all of you who are here and extend our welcome to all of you who are joining us online. We have gathered here here on this holy ground, and we are thankful that you have invited us into your holy ground. Now, you also have noticed, if you missed the announcement, that our chancel choir is also away this weekend on retreat, and so we pray for the remainder of their time apart, and with that, we are just ridiculously blessed um, today by Inversion Vocal Ensemble and their director, Dave Ragland. What a gift this ministry is. And it is just so palpable, the spirit that is within each of these vocalists and between you. And we are just so thankful to sit at your feet and to be served and ministered by your deep giftedness. We're just so thankful. And today we are concluding a series that we actually started on January 1st. We've spent the entirety of 2023 in one chapter of scripture, Exodus 20, the 10 commandments, words from God, rules for Israel written in stone. Now, the people of Israel, the children of Abraham were the ones with whom God had made a covenant. But now at this point, generations of Israelites had actually been born into slavery in Egypt, and it was the only world they knew. The covenant with Yahweh felt so much more like a story that they had heard than a reality they had actually known to be true for themselves. And so after being delivered from bondage, there must have been this overwhelming sense of communal relief and freedom. But as they wandered in the wilderness, there was also a desperation to rebuild their identity as God's people. And so at the foot of Mount Sinai, God gave them these instructions to live by these rules to follow, rules that were at the same time a revelation of who God is and instructions for living in community. And while they desired to be so faithful to God, who had been utterly faithful to them, 
they quickly learned that obedience to these commandments, to the rules given to them, would be tough. So the other day, my daughter, Abby, who will be five in just two weeks, got her hands on a deck of playing cards. And she invited me to play a game with her, and I said, yes. And I asked her, what are we playing? And she said, I made it up. And I said, okay, great. And so she instructed me that we each get cards, but don't show me your cards, mommy. All right. That sounds pretty standard so far. She gives us each a few cards and places the remaining cards in the middle of the table. And y'all, the next few minutes are filled with truly nothing but confusion and chaos for me. She was very calm and very comfortable in the unpredictability of this game she had on the spot invented. And so sometimes you're supposed to take a card from the pile and sometimes you take a card from each other and sometimes you're wanting to match numbers but sometimes you're also wanting to match suits and sometimes just colors. It was wild. It was wild, and on one turn, I just finally kind of had to tell her that I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. And so I asked her to tell me, Abby, honey, what's next? What should mommy do? And y'all, that child, she placed her elbows on that table that you see there, and she put her fingertips together like this. And she said, so seriously, mommy, I'm changing the rules now to make it easier for me. Abby is all of us. The Israelites were given these rules, these really hard rules. And over the last several weeks, we've been reminded that Jesus the Christ embodied them and even taught us how much further we were to go in following them. And by following them, we're invited into an even deeper relationship with God in Christ, but they're tough. And sometimes we would prefer not to think about the thou shalt nots. We're tempted to change the rules a little bit, to lower the bar, to make it easier for ourselves. But thou shalt not change the rules. They are really good for us. And so at the start of this sermon series, we worked through the first four of these commandments. And the first four commandments are instructions for our relationship with God about proper love of God. And we know Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. But it started with, the, with these four. So one, you shall have no other gods before me. Not money, not sex, not power, not substance. Nothing is to come between oneself and God. Two, you shall not make yourself an idol. You can't reduce or limit or control God no matter how hard you try. Three, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. All of your language, it must be filled with grace and respect. And number four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You must build a rhythm of rest into your life to be still and tend to your soul. Which then led us into the last six commandments. We've been through three of them so far. These last six are instructions for living within covenant living within covenant community, about how to love and to relate to one another. And Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But first it was these six. Number five, you shall honor your father and your mother. We stand on the shoulders of others. So we respect 
We show respect. Respect is our posture toward all generations. Number six, you shall not murder. Honor and protect all life. All people bear the image of God for us. And number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Honor your partner. Maintain trust and loyalty in relationships. Nurture the integrity of the family. Which brings us to the final three. Stealing, lying, coveting. The making of a country song, as Davis has said. But we start with the eighth. You shall not steal. This may have actually first been about kidnapping, about forcing an unwilling person into slavery. The Israelites, of course, knew something about that. But for us, for disciples of Jesus Christ, we consider stealing even more than forced slavery. What does stealing look like for us? It actually looks like robbing ourselves by sinful spending. It may look like overreaching for a bargain, not paying back what was borrowed, maybe cheating on our taxes. It's failing to disclose an issue with a home that we're trying to sell, accepting a payment for work that we didn't actually do. It's about not providing adequate wage and benefits to our employees. It maybe is even about systems that rob particular people, often those born into poverty, of a bright future. It's not a defense of personal property. It's an elevation of integrity. It's a protection of dignity. And so when one steals, the humanity of the victim is diminished. And when one steals, the humanity of the thief is also diminished. So in case you aren't aware, you citizen of the world, I want you to know something about TikTok. It's important. It is actually more than just dances and kind of some silly nonsense. That's there, it's there to be fair. But I want you to know that on this platform, on TikTok, there are really generous, really interesting, really gifted people who are actually creating content and putting it out into the world. And one of those people is named Keith Lee. Now, Keith is a 26-year-old Detroit native who now lives in Las Vegas. And on TikTok, he is known for reviewing food from local Vegas restaurants. I recommend if you're ever in Vegas that you refer to Keith Lee's suggestions for wings. The man has an eye for a good wing. And he has rapidly gained this massive following. Now roughly 10 and a half million people are paying attention to Keith Lee following him. And I do think I know why. That many people are paying attention to Keith Lee because he is honest. He is so sincere and humble. He, he leads with gratitude in all things. He has this sweet adoration for his wife and his children. He is incredibly vulnerable about his struggles. And he has this profound faith in God. In one case, a food review, a positive food review that Keith did of an Italian restaurant in Las Vegas took the owner, Frank, from barely being able to pay rent to hiring 23 employees to keep up with demand. This man has a tremendous amount of influence. Now recently, Keith Lee saw a video from a smaller creator on TikTok, someone who only has maybe 2,000 followers, a young woman, and she reviewed a cookie. She found out that Jimmy John's had a red velvet cookie 
and she wanted the world to know about it because it was a good cookie. And Keith Lee saw that video and he thought, she makes that cookie look so good, I've got to try it. And so he tried it and it was as good as she had said. And so when he created a video to share the news about this delicious red velvet cookie, he gave her credit. He gave her credit in that video to his 10 and a half million followers. But when his review gained traction, gained attention, Jimmy John's reached out to Keith to quote, send him some cool stuff. Maybe even a brand deal and potentially financial benefits for him. But instead of taking the money and running, which is probably what most people would have done, he said to Jimmy John's publicly, quote, reach out to her. If it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be having this conversation. God bless you. Now, please know that I'm not disparaging Jimmy John's. I love a Jimmy John sandwich. And of course, they reached out to Keith. Of course, they know that Keith is good for business, and so it's, it was a no-brainer. But in response to their offer, Keith didn't have to do what he did, but he did it. Because Keith, a person of faith, would have seen accepting those gifts from Jimmy John's as stealing as stealing a reward that he saw belong to someone else. And he said, quote, I stand on integrity. I stand on respect. God is amazing. I will not deter who I am for any amount of money or any opportunity. I only want what is mine, nothing more, nothing less. You shall not steal. Now the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Bearing false witness was focused primarily, of course, on the courtroom because a false testimony in court could cost someone their reputation, their future, even their very life. A court of law has to be a place where the truth is told. But for us, for disciples of Christ, we consider bearing false witness as more than lying in court. So what is it for us to bear false witness? It's to speak unjustly against a neighbor. It is to operate out of our prejudices and in our commitments and in our interactions. It is political propaganda in all its forms. It's gaslighting on large and small scales. It's slander. It's tweeting a story without verifying it first. It's casual gossip. It's spreading rumors. It's empty talk about another person. It's sharing our assumptions or opinions about someone as if they were fact. Now this has grown, of course, so ugly in our divided culture. It's me against you and it's us against them and it's parties and it's denominations, it's teams, it's neighborhoods. And there is actually a mental process to many disagreements. Person to person, group to group, this is what we might do. When you discover that you disagree with someone about any particular issue, it's troubling, it's uncomfortable because we don't like to disagree we don't like to have disharmony. Maybe you like the person that you're disagreeing with and you don't want to stand in opposition to them. And so assuming that they're just ignorant to the truth that you know, you try to explain it to them out of the goodness of your heart. But even with all your really good facts, they are not agreeing with you. And so you realize, oh, they must just not be very smart. But as the disagreement goes on and you realize that they understand you just fine, but that they simply don't share your opinion, the only reasonable conclusion 
is that they are evil. It sounds incredibly dramatic, I do know that. It sounds over the top, but we do it. We sadly take this mental pathway with people that we know and we take it often with strangers that we'll never meet. We usually don't even do it consciously. We don't realize it's happening because it happens so fast. And once we've made that final leap from this person is unintelligent to this person is evil, then we'll gladly tear them down. We'll gladly ridicule, mock, slander, criticize. We will gladly contribute to someone being canceled if they so obviously to us from a million miles away deserve it. Our failure to tell the truth, our propensity to lying, our free-flowing slander can cause tremendous harm to our neighbor's life and to our very own soul. We are to use our speech constructively compassionately, honestly, speaking of people in such a way that their dignity is honored and their potential is protected, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And now rounding out our country song with the 10th commandment, you shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female, slave, ox, donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is so different than the nine that have come before it, because on the surface, this really isn't about an action. It's not a behavior or a habit. This is about the habits of the heart. It's about attitudes, about inner commitments and desires. So what is it to covet? It is to be overwhelmed by discontent at what is ours, to be discontented by our very own home, our own spouse, our own work, our own giftedness. It is to be economically discontented, holding this deep desire to possess things that we assume will bring us happiness, fulfillment, joy, and the status that we want so bad. Consumerism makes us crazy. We are convinced by our culture that accumulation of goods and wealth is our purpose. We are highly motivated by a feeling of scarcity. Eggs. Have you ever wanted eggs more in your entire life than you have in the last few months? We're all craving eggs. Can you believe how single-minded you became about acquiring toilet paper three years ago? But it's not just everyday goods that give us this internal feeling of real anxiety, of lacking of need. It's things that we really simply don't need at all. It's trends. Do any of you have a box of Beanie Babies in your attic? Why? Why did we do that? So for the last year, for a lot of people, believe it or not, it's been all about one water bottle. It's true, the 40 ounce Stanley Cup, did you know? That cup right there costs $50, and stores have had to place limits on how many a single customer can purchase because they are selling out as quickly as they are restocked. And I do need y'all to know that is not a magic water bottle. It is not spill-proof. It does not keep drinks colder than other water bottles. However, look at all those pretty colors. You know, and that, that can fit in your cup holder even though it is gigantic. And if you've ever wanted one, but haven't been able to find one of those, I bet you have a surge of hot energy run through your body when you see someone else with one. Now, it's silly. For you, it's maybe not a water bottle. But it might be a pair of shoes. It might be a bag. It might be a new phone. 
the very latest technology. It might be a new pickup truck or a piece of art, a home in the neighborhood that you want to get into, a spot in the school that you wanna go to, a romantic relationship, a craft or a skill that you just don't have. It's a vacation to the destination that's been out of reach. It's a product that could actually be here in only two days because Amazon has made coveting really convenient. All ideas that are in our heads because someone else has it and we don't. And because our culture has told us that we can't live without it. So the instinct to desire, it's unavoidable and simply wanting obviously isn't wrong, but a desire becomes destructive when the object of our desire belongs to our neighbor or when the desire becomes our singular focus and we circle back then to a violation of commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, after the Israelites received the 10 commandments from God, they were afraid. They stood at a distance, unsure of what God was going to do next. And they asked Moses to please be their mediator because they could not bear to hear directly from God anymore. It was too much. But Moses assured them, do not fear God has written these rules in stone to release you from the bondage of things that diminish life. God has given you this gift to protect you, to keep you from harm, to hold you close to God. So you see, it was not just the 10 commandments that were written in stone on Mount Sinai. On that day, God's love for Israel was written in stone. And God's love for you is written in stone. God has marked you as God's very own. God has been faithful to you in your own bondage, in your own wilderness, in your own promised land. In every season of your life, God has promised to love you no matter what. God's love for you is written in stone. It cannot be changed to make it easier for you and it cannot be lost when you break a rule. God's love for you is written in stone and you are being called to internalize the gifts of the 10 commandments so as to have the words of Jesus written in stone on your heart. For Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The call on us is not part of our life. It's all of it. So I leave you with closing words from 1 Thessalonians. May the God of peace make you whole and holy. May you be kept safe in body, heart, and mind, and thus ready for the presence. God has called you and will not fail you. God has called you to internalize the commandments and will not fail you. It is written in stone. God has called you into covenant and will not fail you. It is written in stone. 
God has called you to honor your neighbor and will not fail you. It is written in stone. God's call on you is written in stone. God's love for you is written in stone. It is written in stone. Thanks be to God. Amen.